Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part one of Scary Halloween, where Alan and I will be curating side A of a mixtape featuring the scariest songs to play on All Hallows' Eve. Welcome back, Dave. Welcome back. I'm ready for this. I'm excited. Halloween remains my favorite holiday. Um, For me, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I know... Uh, a lot of people would say that falls in December, but for me, it is all about Halloween. So well, you're a big horror fan as well. I am, yes. Huge horror f- fan. And in fact, you know, this list, because we're, we're going scary this this time around, a lot of these songs are out of my, my comfort zone. Mm. I mean, they're, they're all songs I like, but, but they are certainly songs that I do not listen to any time else any other time (laughs) during the year um they are reserved only for october and you know a lot of our listeners might i mean they've come to know us and our taste i think they might be really surprised by some of what i've pulled um how scary did you go well i stuck to songs that i i listened to so i stayed in my normal listening range and i kind of i chose songs that were either scary but they also could be creepy or unsettling and it could be a song that other people would never think of being unsettling, but scares the heck out of me. So okay, yeah, huh. it'll be interesting. Like I didn't pick any death metal or screamo or that type of stuff. I, oh, I, no, I, I stuck d- with within the wheelhouse of what I'd normally listen to. Okay, for the most part, there are a couple artists on here. You know, well, you'll see when we get there. Gotcha. Yeah. No, like I said, I, I um, I did pull some. I there there are no songs here that were new to me. I don't I don't go looking for new songs. I don't. Uh, deliberately pull songs that I don't like that that would be counterproductive but they are songs that uh, like I said it's just the month of October and then I put them away and have no need to hear them until next October <laughs> so but I'm I'm really looking forward to sharing the list I think that this is going to be another awesome episode yeah um, I agree so and the last one for our season yeah yeah the season ends with side B of, of scary Halloween um, man, the season went fast, very fast, but it feels good to give it a rest as well. Our, our work schedules, they do pick up once the school year begins. So nonetheless, we're going right. to get it to this. Let's get started. All right. So this week it's, it's time to get our hands dirty. So no more snuggles. It's time to shed some blood. Let's do this. Uh, side A, my first track, uh, give you a little bit of an intro here. Uh, since 1976, <clears throat> author Anne Rice has made vampires romantic, tragic, and cool. Inspired by Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles, alternative rock band Concrete Blonde made songs about vampires, romantic, tragic, and really, really cool, when they released their third studio album, Bloodletting, in 1990. Now, upon its release, Concrete Blonde joined gothic giant Sisters of Mercy and, and Bauhaus in creating an album that spoke to a generation fascinated by all things immortal and mysterious. The album opening title track, which is subtitled The Vampire Song, kicks things off in a raucous fashion, and uh, it's just a foreboding goth blues riff, along with necromantic lyrics giving way to a gang vocal chorus. The song owes a heavy debt to Anne Rice's humid, wasted version of New Orleans, but it also finds vocalist Jeanette Napolitano's lyrics in the band's sound, which is a broad and dense post-punk style characterized by slightly twangy guitar, um, fully coming together 
after the hit or miss offerings uh, that had preceded it. So I give you Bloodletting, the vampire song. Um, it sets a rich, defining tone for their album uh, with its descending bass line and evocative air of sensual menace. And, and Napolitano's vocals are passionate and catchy. There's a deep, throaty ache as she projects all these chilling images of a vampire swaggering through town. Um, Bloodletting doesn't cloak itself in ambiguity. Uh, it is emphatically a, a brooding anthem about being a vampire and what vampires do. And it is the perfect track, I think, to kickstart our Halloween mixtape. I'm not familiar with that one. Don't know it? Nope. nope. Oh, okay. This one, I actually discovered at WFAL. They had the, the CD in in, um, in in the racks, and, um, you know, I, all I needed to see was the vampire song. So I gave it a, a quick listen, and I've loved this song ever since. What do you got? Well, I, I started last year's off um, with a song by Danny Elfman. Oh, yes. Which appeared in Disney's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. The classic This Is Halloween. I am choosing the same song, but a different version. Marilyn Manson. Yes. Okay. I figure why not be consistent? You have two different songs. I, I'm sorry. You have the same song, but two different versions. One's a fun version, which uh, we played uh, last season, and then this is the scary version. Now, I'm not a huge uh, Marilyn Manson fan. Frankly, I'm really not a Marilyn Manson fan yeah, at all. Never, but never. Despite cared. the fact that he First hails music. from uh, our hometown uh, here in Canton, um, but uh, especially since... Recently, some things have come to light in his personal life. Yes. So, you know, I, would, I almost, well, should I include this? But I'm, I'm still going to include it because, like we say on this show, we, we, we're talking about the music, not necessarily endorsing any behavior or politics from any of the artists. We're simply going with the music here. So that's my little disclaimer. Um, this version clearly is much creepier. It has all sorts of industrial per- percussion, heavy guitar, uh, of course, that menacing vocal. And um, I just thought we should start here as a nice contrast to last year. No, makes perfect sense. Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see the saw town of Halloween. This is Halloween, this is Halloween. Folk can scream in the dead of night. This is Halloween, everybody make a scene. I kind of wondered 
because I know, I, I remember before we decided to go strictly novelty last year, you had mentioned, you know, the debate, which one do you use? You were tempted to use actually both versions initially. So I, I was wondering if it was going to be I don't going remember, but <laughs> I don't remember having that conversation, but <laughs> we did. That nonetheless, must have, must have been true because yeah. that's what I went along with. So. Uh, yeah. I've never been a Marilyn Manson fan. I just, I don't know. But this version, and, and, and even though we say creepy and scary, I mean, you could, you, some of these songs you could go either way. I mean, it's still all these songs are fun because it's fun to get scared, right? right. Oh yeah. And so the Marilyn Manson version is still f- a fun song because it's the song that's fun. But you know, this is it's a lot heavier. It's a lot spookier. It's you know, it just it kind of fits what we're going for here. No, yeah, absolutely does. All right. Well, that takes me to track number two, and I am going to give you a song by Jill Tracy. Now, I, I suspect that our listeners do not know Jill Tracy. Uh, I've never heard I, of I was going to nope, say, nope, I, I, I nope. was going to assume you hadn't either. But if they and if you are horror fans, I know you actually are a fan of horror, then you should. Okay, this woman is, she is just, her story is out there, what she has accomplished. Um, she just has the most unusual resume. In 1999, she wrote, recorded, and debuted a new original score to F.W. Murnau's 1922 silent vampire classic, Nosferatu. In 2007, she joined with acclaimed violinist Paul Mercer for the unique traveling show titled The Musical Seance. And (laughs) this this is crazy. Their, Their traveling show featured channeled duets on piano and violin, performing music that manifested itself via tales, objects, and treasured artifacts that her audience brought in and handed to her on stage, okay? Since 2009, she has been collaborating and performing with David J. of Bauhaus and Love and Rockets and accompanying him on piano during live concerts. The two actually recorded a post-classical cinematic version of the Bauhaus classic Bela Lugosi's Dead, featuring a lavish two-minute solo piano intro. And in 2012, she was the first musician in history to receive a grant from the renowned Muter Museum in Philadelphia, which, for those that don't know, that's the nation's foremost collection of medical oddities. Which I refuse to attend. Really? Yeah, my wife always wants to go, and I just, I, you know you know about me and medical stuff. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't do well. Well, but. and it's so exploitative, but yeah. as a horror fan, I'd probably walk right through the door. So I like the fake stuff, not the real stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, what, what happened, basically... Um, she was given the grant to create a musical work inspired by the Muter collection and her experiences after dark inside the museum. So she spent nights alone composing music amidst the Muter's vast collection of skeletons and specimens, which include renowned, the renowned Siamese twins, Chang mm-hmm. and Ang, Einstein's brain, Harry uh, Eastlack, the ossified man, books bound in human skin, the mermaid baby, all of this. And just sitting there and, and you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, she's she's a spiritualist and, and, you know, allegedly she does know how to talk to the dead. Um, so this is where she, she found inspiration for this project. The project's called the Teratology Lullabies and it's still ongoing. But as if all of this were not enough, Tracy has recorded several studio albums, okay? So for today's episode, I have selected a song titled The Fine Art of Poisoning. It's a delightfully eerie track from her second studio album, which was titled Diabolical Streak. 
and it features the Malcontent Orchestra. Uh, the Fine Art of Poisoning, it became an, actually, it became an animated short film in 2003. It was a collaboration with Bay Area animator uh, Bill DeMoncos, and it, it is, it, it's garnered film festival awards internationally, including Best Experimental Film in 2003 in the New Orleans Film Festival and the 2003 Empire Film Festival in Buffalo, New York, as well as Best Music Video in both the 2003 Cinema Chicago International Animation Festival and the Seattle International Film Festival. Now, horror novelist Clive Barker, he became a huge fan of her work after seeing The Fine Art of Poisoning, and he began promoting Diabolical Streak via social media, calling it both seductive and terrifying. That's all it took, because with his endorsement, her name recognition soared, garnering the attention of music critics, who then named her among the very best neo-cabaret musicians of all time. So, known for the dark, evocative, cinematic style that she uses, Tracy states that some of her biggest childhood influences were film score composers such as Bernard Herrmann and classic suspense tales, including Alfred Hitchcock, Fritz Lang films, uh, Ray Bradbury stories she includes, Rod Serling's The Twilight Zone. And in fact, in an interview with the San Francisco Chronicle, she stated, I learned from watching The Twilight Zone that often it was what you didn't see that really put the fear in you. How a story could evoke such emotion and response essentially revealing so little. I abide by that in my approach to music, she said. It's the breath, the spaces between the notes and the arrangements that make the work come alive. The soul lives in the silence. So Tracy thinks of her music as a portal, a way in, if you will. And she calls this seductive and magical place that she inhabits the elegant side of the netherworld. And again, I, I'm hoping that you know our, our listeners, that you will actually enjoy this this tune i mean regardless of what you think of her you know her supernatural dealings it is just a creepy tune yeah looking forward to it but but it's 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 amazing i love it it's quiet I'm a horror fan, and some people might debate that because uh, there are certain certain genres of horror, subgenres of horror that I don't like at all. I'm, I'm not a big slasher fan. Uh, I definitely don't like you know splatterpunk type stuff. Anything you know, just really gory and gross. I'm just, I'm just, it's just not for me. You like the psychological. I'm more of a psychological. Um, yep. I like folk horror a, a lot. I found out recently, like Midsummer and and oh, um, yeah. and the yeah. Witch. Those two films, you know, blew but, but, but see, but see that again. It's it's the unknown. It's the woods. It's what's in the woods. What's in the dark. What's behind the tree. What's in the air. That type of stuff. Um, I think. Well, Blair Witch Project is my my favorite horror movie of all time, and it's a it's a full horror that's about the unknown. Because to me, that's what's scary. I mean, you wake up the next morning in your tent, and there's a pile of rocks. Uh, that's that's really scary to me, knowing that somebody was out there piling up those rocks. So to me, that terrifies me. Whereas the the gross stuff just just doesn't do it. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you. I mean, psychological unraveling is always the scariest. But um, 
I just love horror. I mean, I will I will, I will happily watch a slasher film. I, Splatterpunk doesn't bother me. Is it scary? No, not at all. But it it falls into that so bad it's good category for me. I mean, that's B horror. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. Oh, if, if if you're gonna watch it and have fun and laugh, but if right. you're truly trying to unsettle yourself for that cathartic oh, well, experience, then yeah. for me, it's all psychological. Absolutely, always. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Midsummer. I mean, the witch. The witch was creepy. Blair Witch is obviously you know stellar. Uh, the witch was creepy. Midsummer. That movie's. That movie played with my mind. <laughs> oh. I loved it. And I mean, I picked up on the symbolism. I'm, you know, the English teacher comes out upon, you know, subsequent viewings. But man, I did not see anything in that film coming. It right. was just, it was, it was nuts. Good stuff. All right. Well, the exact opposite of a movie like Midsommar, I'm going to go very simple with this next song. And I'm talking about the Ramones. Okay. I don't want to go down to the basement. Great song. Um, in the long line of I Wanna songs by the Ramones, you have I Wanna Be Your Boyfriend, I Wanna Be Sedated, Now I Wanna Sniff Some Glue. There's all sorts of I Wanna songs. This is the I Don't Wanna song. I Don't Wanna Go Down the Basement. Lyrically, the song can be summed up pretty simply. Um, there's something in the basement, and he doesn't want to go down there. Yep. <laughs> that's about it. Hey, that's that's the song. as it gets. <laughs> but man, um, I, I just this is what's so great about the Ramones. I just love Johnny's guitar tone, Dee Dee's rhythmic bass line, uh, Joey's under-enunciated vocals. He doesn't even finish the word basement when he's singing. It's yeah. like almost in, unintelligible. Uh, and that abrupt ending, which I'm probably reading way too much into this. I'm sure the Ramones just got tired of playing and stopped. But I always like to think that uh, he finally did discover What's in the basement? Okay. I, I've never put that much thought into the song. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, that makes sense. Um, you know, I always thought, especially with the new versions that came out of It, Chapter 1, Chapter mm-hmm. 2, I would have loved the song to be playing somewhere in the house when, you know, he goes down to the basement for that glue to, to create the ship. Yes, um, yes. I just thought that would be so fitting. But And, of course, they have a long history. Not a long history. They have a history of recording for Stephen King films. Yes, thought you might actually go with Pet Cemetery. I Didn't I choose that last time? Did you? Yeah, pretty sure I did. Okay. Maybe I didn't. I, 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 I took no, it off you, the table because I thought I picked okay, it. Okay, you very likely might have. Mm-hmm. I am, now you're rubbing off on me. My memory's gone. <laughs> My memory's gone now. Almost um, positive. I was going back and forth between these two last time. Okay. And I thought, boy, I said, it's a little scary to go to the basement. Pet Cemetery. it was kind of a... Um, uh, tongue-in-cheek movie and song itself. And, right. You know, that's... Yeah. Well, okay. the song was the best thing about that. Well, the, the only thing scary about the original version of Pet Cemetery was the sister. Yeah. Oh, Do you yeah. remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my wife, it scares the hell out of her. She won't go near that movie, which I find hilarious because it's so bad. <laughs> but um, now, the, 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 did you see the remake? Uh, I did. I What'd did. you think of it? Um, 
I don't remember enjoying it as much as the first one because the first one I just had fun with. I wasn't right. expecting anything great. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't feel like it had that much to offer, even though they didn't, they switch the sexes. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I kind of enjoyed the inversion. Did you? Though. Okay. I did. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers, but, right. but which I guess we just might have, but um, I enjoyed the inversion, but I think the most disappointing part of that was John Lithgow's character. Yeah. Yeah. He was, I mean, not what what I had imagined, but um, I don't know. I, I just you're right. There's there's just something fun about this. I mean, the Stephen King movies were so hit or miss in in the 70s and 80s into the early 90s, but they were all fun, you know. So that that's something that was missing in the new one. I'll, I'll grant you that. Yeah, some of the new adaptations have been great. I, I thought both it chapters were very very good. Um, and it's funny, The Stand, I haven't really watched yet. Um, I heard that it just didn't do very well because it came out during a pandemic and nobody wants to watch about a pandemic well, during a pandemic. That's that's true. I, I did watch it. Okay. I, um, they did a few things very well. They did quite a few things mediocre and they did a couple of things incredibly sloppy. And I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I don't, okay. want, I don't want to spoil it Yeah, for no, you. no. I'll have to um, check it But out. the characters were cast well. Okay. I, will, I will give okay. them that. Okay. Um, but yeah, well, other than Randall Flagg, um, I, w- I was not a fan of Seskard uh, as Randall Flagg. But um, otherwise, it was it was pretty spot on. Right. So yeah, w- when you do see it, we'll have to talk. Sounds good. Um, all right, my next one. Uh, this one's kind of cheating I, because this is very loosely using the term song. <laughs> okay, um, it is one of Tom Waits most eerie yet surprisingly popular songs. We might again, have a match here. Again, I say that in quotations. Can't believe we're going to match on a Tom, Tom Waits Wait song. Tom Waits song, right? We'll see. Um, the track uh, that I'm going with, it's titled What's He Building? Ooh, that's not one of the two that I was going back and forth with. Okay, well, we might have an artist Well, we will, but it won't be until next week because my, oh, okay. I think, I think my, yeah, my, How my do, Tom okay. Waits is next week. Well, I guess we haven't done that where it's been. Yeah, we have. We've no, not an artist match off. Right. We haven't. Well, I can just tell you that I was. I was thinking the one I didn't pick was Cemetery Polka from Rain Dogs. Oh, okay. Um, which is good song. Great, great song. Yeah, good but, song. Uh, but I went with a different one. So should I just reveal it now, or well, do you want to talk about? It? No, no. I mean, okay. Because let's let's give you a chance next week to actually all right introduce it, play it, and then then we'll figure out who gets to go to the alternates list at, at that point. Um, but yeah, I went with what's he building and. You know, it, it appears on his very successful Mule Variations album from 99. But then, as I said, song really isn't the right word. What's he building is actually a dramatic monologue from a nosy neighbor, um, and it's set to a palette of eerie sound effects, subdued metallic clangs, low-rent electronic flutters that would be the envy of any haunted house designer, really. Uh, it's always a, a creepy dude, you know, Tom Waits, um, there's a reason why Francis Ford Coppola cast him as the bug gobbling Renfield in his take on Dracula, right? Tom Waits wheezes here like he's, he's shining a flashlight underneath his chin to spook an edgy campfire scout troop. I mean, that, that's just the image I get. In fact, the way he repeatedly intones what's he building in there, emphasizing the word building each time with a, a worried compulsion, it eventually makes the narrator sound far more suspicious than the eccentric loner he's spying on which I, I, I love how Tom Waits plays with this. Um, Waits' narrator quickly lures us in, and, and we readily and blindly agree with his suspicions because, after all, what the hell is he building in there? 
yet, yet upon a second or third listen to the song, the lines begin to blur and we're, we're left to question the veracity of the narrator's apprehension. I mean, what, what makes this neighbor worthy of such hearsay? And how does the narrator know so much about the neighbor and his possessions? And, and who is Mr. Stitches? Why, why does he know about the neighbor's poison under the sink? And then, uh, you know, yeah, there are just so many unanswered questions. Waits has said of this song, quote, we seem compelled to perceive our neighbors through the keyhole. There's always someone in the neighborhood, the Boo Radley, the village idiot. You see that he drives this yellow station wagon without a windshield. Or maybe he has chickens in the backyard and doesn't get home until 3 a.m. And he says he's from Florida, but the license plate says Indiana. So you know I don't, quote, trust him. It's really a disturbed creative process, Tom Waits said. What's he building? It's a scathing commentary, really, about our collective inability to mind our own business. And we should sympathize with and defend the neighbor inside of his house, whatever he's building. By forcing us to admit to our voyeuristic intentions, though, the song becomes a frightening reminder that we are the ones who cannot be trusted and should therefore be feared, at least until the unsettling coda of the song, where we begin to hear the whistling from the home of the eccentric builder for ourselves. So I mean, there's so much. No, going a, yeah, on in that's this a track. great pick. I didn't even think about that. That's uh, a good one. There's, there were a lot of Tom Waits, oh, truthfully. There really were. <laughs> he is such a great performer. I mean, that that voice, which um, you know, I think oh, it's just sandpaper. Yeah, I mean, someone so... said it's like taking this parchment and soaking it with like, you know, whiskey and and then staining it with tobacco and crumpling it up and opening it back up again and stretching it out. He's just got this. Yeah, I would say 151. Light it on fire and then you know. Then un, un, right. uncrumpled the thing. Um, yeah, I mean, he is just, it doesn't get more gravelly than Tom Waits. But um, Have you ever listened to some of his um, late 70s, like late night bluesy jazz stuff? Oh, yeah. Really, really Very good, good stuff. Very good, yeah. He just, he's all over the place, which he, I love. He really is. But I, there's a, I think it's, a, what's it called, Saturday Night, another Saturday, I forget the name of the album. I'll have to look it up, but I really, really dig uh, just kind of after hours bluesy stuff. I, I, I jazz, Actually, more jazzy than bluesy. Right, probably. no, I, I know the album you're, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on this. I know exactly what album you're talking about. The Heart of Saturday Night. The yeah. Heart of Saturday there it Night. Is. I, there I, we it go. came up on my screen, too. Yeah. So I'll, I'll play that sometimes if I'm still up late at night. And just kind of a cool yeah. vibe. Very oh, cool vibe. So, yeah. so, I mean, the thing is, um, he, he, he's a very, very good singer. Uh, he's just chosen to use his voice in other ways. Uh, kind of like a painter that begins with very traditional paintings and then becomes abstract or non-objective as they right. go on with their career. I think that's how Tom, Tom Waits is. It's, yeah, that's a great analogy. What's he building in there? What the hell is he building in there? He has subscriptions to those magazines. He never waves when he goes by. He's hiding something from the rest of us. He's all to himself. I think I know why. He took down the tire swing from the pepper tree. He has no children of his own, you see. He has no dog. He has no friends. And his lawn is dying. What about all those packages he sends? What's he building in there? He has so much talent. It's it's kind of unnerving. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I did not expect us to actually have a yeah, match off surprising. on Tom Waits, of all, of all people. 
right. Your turn. All right. Well, the next one, um, people have either heard of this song or not because it was never officially released, released. Um, it does. It is on Spotify now. Okay. But I remember, I don't know, about 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. Well, 2008. So there, there it is. Um, on Facebook, I think, or on Twitter, the boss gave us a Halloween present. It was a single. It was only released on social media at the time. I actually downloaded it, so I would always have it. Now I can say it's on Spotify. Um, but it's a little song called, well, I think later on he might have actually released it on an EP, maybe later, but uh, it's called A Night with the Jersey Devil. Have you heard this? I don't know that I have. Oh, you're in for a treat. You're going to love this. I, You caught me on a Springsteen tune. Nice. I, it's not often that, that you anyone catches me on a Springsteen tune, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've heard this. And here's the thing. Unless you are a real, like, you know, huge Springsteen fan, you might not even realize this is Bruce Springsteen because he does his best, like, you know, Robert Johnson, Crossroads, Deal with the Devil type song here. Really? Oh, yeah. He uses a bullet microphone from like the 1930s or 40s to record this. So, it, I mean, it, it sounds like a track you would have discovered, you know, 1948 and some dumpster. Like, it's... It, 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 we talked a couple weeks ago about how sometimes, you know, newer soul will like degrade the track a little bit to give it that appearance of being older. This is that too, like exponential, exponential. Like it is really, 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 really gritty. Um, like I said, it was a download only single off the boss's website. Okay. Yeah. I know. I, I, I've definitely yeah. not heard this. I, um, I've been keeping up with his albums, but I... I it, was, it doesn't appear on any album. Yeah, I don't, um, don't recall. I don't even remember him offering a track yeah. on his website. Yeah, included samples from 1958's Baby Blue by Gene Vincent. Oh, nice. Which you'll probably recognize. Um, and, and then it's about the old legend of the Jersey Devil, which if you're from that part of the country, which I'm not, um, but it's kind of a, you know, it's a cryptid, um, like we would, t you know, Ohio would talk about Bigfoot or the Grassman. Um, it's this horse-headed, forked-footed creature with bat-like wings who haunts the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. There's a whole story. You can look it up. It's pretty well, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I'm familiar with the Jersey Devil. I did not know that's what it's supposed to look like. Yep, yep. Um, I don't know why well, I don't... I never really had an image in my mind, but I didn't imagine it on four legs, I guess. I thought it was more yeah. human. No, it's like a, like a horse almost with wings. Um, the legend is something to do with like, a, it was like a, a child that was born and it was deformed and it was put out in the woods to die and somehow, I don't know if the devil got involved, but you know, it became this creature that haunts and basically used like in all cultures to scare the hell out of kids so they do what, right. you know, what they're supposed to do, not wander away from home. I remember the X-Files episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. again, I don't remember it being a horse head with bat wings. That's, it's, it may not have been in that episode, but yeah, I, I know I that's... Know. Uh, well, I don't, I, I don't even think they, there was yeah. no Jersey Devil. It was just, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was early in the X Files uh, season one. But, but I mean, um, it's it's his best Robert Johnson in, impersonation. I you feel like I said, you feel like he could be in the crossroads uh, at that moment in time as the story goes when he sold his soul. Um, it's just it's very very creepy. In fact, I remember in two thousand eight, I downloaded. I, I was just surprised. I was expecting Bruce Springsteen, and I'm um, like, whoa, he's playing harmonica. The whole thing is just incredible. And I cranked it. I was driving home late at night on Halloween, and I cranked it with my windows down, and uh, it's very unsettling. Yeah, no, I felt like I it. felt like something that might just you know slip into my car and strangle me right there. So we have the Jersey Devil, 
ultimately in Clark's Clark, in, in Clarksdale, Mississippi, is what you're telling me. It's the crossroads. I, mean, I know not literally, but you said. Yeah, the sound of the but song. But the sound of it. Right, like, right, right. He's, so, he's, the subject of the song is the Jersey Devil. Right, but He yeah. was going for that. But, but I'm just, I'm, I'm loving this whole idea. You yeah. Have, you have Jersey superstition paired with, you know, the Robert Johnson vibe. Yep, it's, that's exactly what it is. I'm looking forward to this. just me i feel like we're like flying through these today i don't know okay um and it's just our enthusiasm perhaps um number four here we go uh my next pick it comes from london songstress marika hackman okay who i'm i'm guessing again some people do not know this one we talked about spotify and its algorithms this one Spotify threw at me, and this is why we're this is ago. why we're flying through it is because we don't know a lot of each other's picks. That's so true. We're not yeah. able to really offer much in That's of our true. own viewpoint. Anyway, okay. Well, I, but that in itself is kind of fun. We, yeah, because I, yeah. I don't know this one. Either. Getting introduced to new music. Um, all right. So, as I said, she's from London, and Marika Hackman. She takes an unconventional approach to folk storytelling. Okay. Um, she rejects the jaunty trappings of the recent folk scene for, for a sound that's more reminiscent of the Velvet Underground, Velvet Underground Chartreuse Nico, actually. Uh, there's an art of playful yet primal darkness to her music. With Cannibal, which is the song that I've chosen, the subject matter may be dark, but the, but the vocals unfold into this wonderful instrumental flourish. Um, that, that's the thing about Marika Hackman. D- despite naming her single after Eating Flesh, she still will win your heart. She just has, just has that sophistication to to the sound that she she creates. On Cannibal, Hackman darkens the mood and, and pairs distorted pitch bends with with morbid and, and vivid lyrics. Her ethereal vocals they make this track feel like a nightmare that doesn't quite shake us into wakefulness, but rather kind of dampens what what could have been a pleasant sleep. We'll leave it at that. Um, and, and you know it. it Imagine just, it leaves us feeling heavy in the morning, if you will. Uh, her lyrics, they're richly poetic, vivid with imagery and suggestive narrative, and it, it's the perfect lure, really. 
The listener floats upon her light and airy delivery, so entranced that he or she willingly enters Hackman's nightmare realm to witness the terrors that unfold there. The line from the song, I, I took a knife and stabbed at the light that was in my eyes, scared the folks in the hole of this place with a hole in my face, is particularly visceral, and, and it backs the grotesque nature of the track, but it's uh, it's it's another one that you just got to hear. I mean, it's the, the lyrics are terrifying but the song is just so light and and breezy i mean it's it's gonna blow you away i mean i really think you'll enjoy this one although this would be a slasher's dream come true so probably outside of your wheelhouse but it's it's nonetheless it's beautiful music well i think what we're going to get with this list is we're going to get a whole variety of spooky unsettling haunting scary some of it may be violent some of it will be really just kind of creepy some of it everything in between yeah yeah, it'll be a nice Indeed. it'll be a nice mix, and I think you need that kind of mix. It can't all be balls to the wall type stuff here. Correct. You know, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, in this one is this a, a hard, fast song or just a slow? This is very slow. Oh, okay. It's a, okay. A piano. It's it. it I don't want to get into the orchestration too much because it's it's really just her vocals. Gotcha. The vocals are, are the key here, but yeah, it's very slow. Very. It's it, it's just it, it's the kind of song that. It gives me, it makes the hair on your on the back of your neck stand up, but not so much for the lyrics, but from her delivery. Have you seen my nose? I cut it off last night. Well, let's just hope it grows. I'd hate to look a fright. As the blood runs down my chin. Well, the next one you'll know for sure. Okay. <laughs> Everybody knows. Well, I knew the, next the Ramones. One. I knew Marilyn Manson. So. Everybody knows this one. Uh, it's widely considered one of the greatest songs of the rock era. Uh, it was inspired by the film, the film version of The Devil and Daniel Webster, when Joan Fogarty watched it on television. 1969's Bad Moon on the Rise. Yeah. Went to number two on Billboard that year. The song that is the victim of misheard lyrics. Uh, Many people (laughs) are erroneously thinking the line is, there's a bathroom on the right. Uh, Fogarty sometimes actually sings these lyrics for fun when he's performing live. Um, It's the first chord progression I ever learned on guitar, so that's why this song is dear to my heart. Uh, And that chord progression fits 100 songs. I mean, it's nothing, nothing crazy. It's extremely simple, but it was one of my favorite ones to play. It's an easy one if you want to show, get someone started playing guitar. You can teach them these three chords, and they can play this song, and it kind of incentivizes you to keep going. But, um, yeah, I mean, this, this could fall on the fun list, but it's also kind of creepy, too. And if you actually listen to the lyrics, yeah, yeah I mean, there is, there's some serious 
Right. I'm not, well, uh, it, yeah, they're, 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 the lyrics suggest that what is happening is going to be very violent and very, yes. very bad for yes. all Yes, again, it's the anticipation of what could happen. That's what scares Correct. me. So this song doesn't spell out what's going to happen. It just, it, it's, this is a big, huge foreshadowing of something ominous on the horizon. Um, of course, with Bad Moon Rising, you think werewolf, but uh, who knows, you know, what's, what's going to happen on this Bad Moon. Yeah, well, I mean, lyrically, thematically, I mean, being the Vietnam era and civil wars, yeah, know, civil war. Oh, <laughs> well, it's not that old. Uh, but, you know, the civil rights movement. I'm, it really was a commentary for sure. You know, just the the tumult of the 1960s. Right. But nonetheless, I mean, if you listen closely enough, yeah, it's it's a very menacing song. Well, and the fact that it was inspired by the devil and Daniel Webster too. Again, going back to the folk horror thing. Right. Yeah, like I love you know Nathaniel Hawthorne, John Goodman Brown, like all that type of like New England, you know colonial folk horror stuff. Oh, yeah. This just fits right in that wheelhouse, so I had to throw that We gotta yeah. throw some songs on people know too. Oh, you do, you do, absolutely. Um, and I have some. I, I know that so far the list has been pretty heavy on, on artists that I, you know, you or, or our listeners may not know. That will change, I promise. <laughs> but I agree. In fact, my next song. Now, this is a newer song. Okay, it's outside of the you know our, our wheelhouse. You know, Gen X. But this is the only song on my list. My proper twelve. A couple of my alternates. Uh, this would be true of as well, but of my twelve, this is the only one that actually hit on the Hot 100. Okay. So, All right. uh, in fact, it hit uh, number fourteen in 2019. It's from the album "When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go," and the name of the track is "Bury a Friend" by Billie Eilish. Here's another song I don't know. You don't know this. I've one. never heard a Billie Eilish song in my life. Really? Uh-uh. Oh, you're gonna love this one. Um, this single actually is very painful to listen to for many of Billie Eilish's younger fans. Uh, the track, it, it features her soft vocals offset by a, a minimalistic pulsing beat. Wait, what kind of genre does she fit? Is she just a pop singer? Is she, she like an indie kind of thing? She's kind of all over the place. Okay. It, it kind of depends. I mean, she's very... She is not a pop, she's not a pop queen. This, okay. is, this is not... Um, she, she looks she, like she's brooding all the time. Yeah, she's... So. she's, she's, she's She's kind of the antithesis of Taylor Swift. Okay. I and mean, she's dark, she's brooding, she's... But, I mean, she's so incredibly talented, which is so, the thing. So, good pipes, you can sing. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Now, you don't get a lot of that on this track, though, because of, of what this track is doing, you know, its intent and, and how she performs it. Um, she, You do get her soft vocals, like I said, but it, there's just this minimalistic 
pulsing beat and, and the growling interjections actually of, of uh, rapper Crooks. Crooks uh, has a few times that he you know throws out a line. Then the song immediately drops the listener into this abyss where, where he or she bears witness to the monster under Billy's bed, if you will. Um, the song also features multiple sound effects and these go a long way in escalating the listener's discomfort. Um, Eilish recorded the whir of a dental drill on her phone during a visit to the orthodontist to remove her Invisalign. <laughs> so um, she wanted that included on the track. And her brother, um, he disliked the sound of the, the dental drill. Her brother is uh, the producer. He produces her work. Uh, he, he did not like the sound of the, the dental drill in the song, but he did discover that it worked well. And its inclusion then inspired him to seek out additional sound effects to match the lyrics. So he told the New York Times that given the lyric about stepping on glass, he wanted to hear someone stepping on glass. And similarly, when Eilish sings of stapling her tongue, he made sure to include the forceful click of a staple gun. So, I mean, it, it, it gets really, really uncomfortable quick. Um, and then there's the music video, which I'm assuming you haven't seen. No. Um, on screen... During the video, Eilish is injected with needles as she mutters the disturbing lyric, I want to end me. And then the screen blacks out. And when, when Eilish returns, she, she appears motionless at the whim of gloved hands. Many viewers actually have argued that the music video is too disturbing. And there are several accounts of fans having to look away as the video plays. But Eilish is actually a self-proclaimed horror buff. And the video wonderfully emulates the very best of the genre. And in an interview with Rolling Stone... She explained that the song was also inspired by her recurring bouts of sleep paralysis. Um, mm, I have that. Yeah, she yeah. said, quote, I had these terrifying dreams and sleep paralysis or night terrors. She said, it's like the whole night is terrifying and then I wake up. So in her attempts to convey her personal demons, Eilish has left some listeners unable to close their own eyes at night. <laughs> so it, it really, it's small wonder since, I mean, she leads the listener to the very precipice of terror and as a horror fan, I find the climb to that summit positively thrilling. So Yeah, sleep paralysis is it's like when you're falling asleep and you've actually fallen asleep and you're dreaming that you're still lying there awake. And usually what happens is in, in mine, some mysterious figure comes from the breaks into the house and I try to stand up to protect my family and I can't. I can't move. I'm completely paralyzed. Yeah. I I've never experienced it, thankfully, but I, yeah. I've I've heard I've heard tell of it. Um a, a lot of people, it, it's a demon, right? Mm. I've even heard of like a demon sitting on your chest. Ooh, that thing, things of that's not good either. That nature, yeah. I'm, um, thank goodness. Now, I'm talking about disturbing videos, there was a song I wanted to include, but being being of the family friendly nature we are now, sometimes we we push it a little bit, but for the most part, we keep our clean rating on on uh, Apple uh, podcasts. Yeah, but uh, closer by by Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, would have been a perfect one. Oh uh, yeah, or or. Or hurt, that'd be another yeah, one. Right. I mean, really anything from the downward spiral would have right. <laughs> would have worked. But yeah, it's a very, I, very haunting album. Yeah, I did not uh, did not go there either. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to hearing this. See, we're introducing each other to a lot of stuff. Here we are. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? Fall asleep, where do we go? Come here. Say it, spit it out. What is it exactly? Your pain is the amount cleaning you out. Am I satisfactory? Today I'm thinking about the things that are deadly. The way I'm drinking you down, like I wanna drown, like I wanna. 
what if I told you we could take rock, disco, funk, and jazz, put okay. it in a blender, uh, and then put it on the Muppet Show? <laughs> okay, I'm lost. <laughs> I have no idea where you're going. Welcome to My Nightmare by Alice, Alice Cooper, Cooper. Okay. From 1975. The best of all the 70s in one song. I mean, like I said, you have disco, you have the wah pedal, you have rock and funk, you got a horn section, it's jazzy, uh, it's everything. You're right. I, I've never actually dissected the song <laughs> before, but it's, it's just all, a cool it's song. It's all in there. We are going to have an artist match. Oh, Next week. Next week, okay. Okay, two, two artist matches next week. I do have Alice Cooper on side B. This is song is from Cooper's first solo record. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Alice Cooper was the name of the band, and then he went solo and adopted Alice Cooper as his moniker. Very similar to, I think, what Marilyn Manson did. It was the name of the band, and then he took it as right. his own name. So this is his first solo record. We're actually most of Lou Reed's uh, band backed him up on this record. Um, and it's on a, this concept album called Welcome to a Nightmare, which chronicles the nightmares of a young child. So if you listen to the song in its entirety, it tells the story of this, this child that's being haunted by these nightmares. Vincent Price uh, provides a monologue yep. on, on the album. Yes, he does. Um, but this, this actually appeared three years later uh, on The Muppet Show when Alice Cooper hosted. And uh, Vincent Price also appeared on that episode as well. But um, this, this song is really dated, but I want to say in a good way. Um, like I say, this is everything good that the 70s had to offer in one spooky song, albeit a spooky song you can dance to. <laughs> Maybe feed my Frankenstein? No, did okay. not go there. All right. All right. I, I actually picked what I find to be the most disturbing song you ever wrote. But I will give you a hint. It generally, um, the song pre- would would be a part of his nightly uh, decapitation. Oh, okay. All so right. if, okay. If, if you're familiar, I, I've never seen him live, but I, I, I kind of, I think a lot of people know how that how that worked um, or works. I don't know if he still does that on stage know, or not. Yeah. But uh, no, the one that I picked is typically one that is performed uh, headless, <laughs> if gotcha. you will. Yeah. Um, or sometimes. Um, anyway. Okay. Well, number six. Oh my God, we are. Yeah. We, that is crazy. <laughs> We're cruising. We are cruising. Um, 
Oh, it's the, I, I don't know if it's good or bad that we're introducing so much music to each other. There's no banter going on. Um, ah, regardless. All right. It is difficult to overstate the importance of my last selection for side A. Okay. Okay. Legend has it that this first Black Sabbath song from the first Black Sabbath album was inspired by Geezer Butler's account of seeing a dark, shadowy figure standing at the foot of his bed one night just a short time after reading a book of black magic that Ozzy Osbourne had given to him. That same night, the story continues, the book mysteriously disappeared. Okay, So whether or not that story is true, the resulting track was ground zero for heavy metal. So this is the song that introduced the world to a new subgenre of rock, namely heavy metal music. It wasn't born to be wild? No, it was not born to be wild. <laughs> heavy metal uh, thunder, no, that was not it. Um, Black Sabbath gets credit. Um, while numerous other contenders came out before it, Steppenwolf included, uh, Black Sabbath, they, they transcended the distorted blues guitar riffs and, and love-obsessed lyrics of its predecessors and introduced a new, dark, menacing, and frankly, a very sinister sound. Um, the night that everything changed, I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard this story. I, I knew only parts of it. Um, the band was performing um, in a rehearsal space that was across the street from just this this seedy, um, this seedy late night cinema. Okay, that would show old old uh, old horror films, I suppose. And one night, as they were in the rehearsal space. Uh, the, the theater across the street was showing the 1963 Italian horror film Black Sabbath, which starred Boris Karloff. And someone in the band, and they, they, none of them can remember who it was that, that said this, someone suggested, because at this time the name of the band was Earth. That was, that was the name of the band pre, pre-Black Sabbath. But someone in the band suggested that people might be as willing to pay to hear spooky music as they were to see scary movies. And immediately inspired by the idea, guitarist Tony Amami, he played the now famous dissonant Diabolus and Musica tritone riffs, the so-called Devil's Interval. And Butler wrote the complimentary Hammer horror-style lyrics about his encounter with the devil. So singing Butler's lyrics, I mean, Osborne never sounded so haunted, and, and to this day, he's never sounded that haunted. And every, everything just kind of clicked. So then they, they borrowed uh, the name from the Karloff film across the street, not only for the song, not only for the album, but also for the band. They found their identity and they devoted themselves from that moment forward to the creation, literally, of devil's music. And the rest, as they say, is history. What is this that stands before me? Turn around quick and start to run. 
are you saying that they started heavy metal or they started the quote satanic wing of of heavy metal? No, I, because you know there's there's subgenres of the, metal, of course. Are, yeah, there are, but no, the, this one um, this one is generally, uh, and you'll you'll see it in Billboard, Spin, uh, Rolling Stone. You know, all the music critics generally agree that Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath was the first legitimate heavy metal song. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, which, I'll, which also happened to be the subgenre of of yes. devil metal or whatever. Yeah. Um, do not confuse it with that lovely animated film from the '80s that featured Journey on its soundtrack. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> I love that movie. I'm gonna have to go watch Heavy Metal. I haven't seen that in forever. I always laugh though because that soundtrack is so far removed from the heavy metal genre. It's, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's based on a comic, isn't it? Do you know anything I about Heavy no Metal? I have no idea. I remember watching it in college one time. Yeah, I'd, probably uh, with you. Probably, yeah. I, we got it. A, what was it? Late night video? No, spec, Spectrum. Spectrum video, spectrum. video. Had, had every. Yeah. Oh, that out of print. That, movie you could possibly yeah. get on VHS or beta. That video store was a godsend. Yeah. I mean, now with streaming, you can find anything you want. Well, and you know, I'm finding though, there's a lot of stuff. I'm actually collecting as much physical media as I can of movies that are not necessarily the most, you know, popular because I think, I, I tell you, it happens more often than not. I want to watch something and I can't find it on any of the streaming services. Huh. Sometimes you can't even, you know, buy it or rent it. So, like, well, what what comes I'm, to mind? Well, I'm trying to think. On the other podcast that we, did, I mean, there were probably yeah, I, I every do. third movie we picked, we couldn't find. Okay, Wings I, of Desire was one recently Wings of Desire. that we couldn't. It's a German film okay. that we couldn't find. Um, uh, I remember when we did uh, we did was it Clerks or maybe it was Oh, Clerks can't be out of print. No, not out of print. I mean, but, just but, not available on I mean, any streaming services at the time. None of them. Right? Uh, that's what I meant. Because they keep going back and forth, and you have to have the licenses right. Right. So every month, you know, a, a crop of films or, or TV shows leave Netflix, and another crop comes in. And so, if it's not on that or Amazon Prime or Hulu, there there is a lot of. And now that doesn't mean they won't eventually come back and pop up somewhere. Right. But if you really want to watch something, now, now most of them you can usually you know buy for twenty bucks or whatever, and some of them you can rent for five. But I want to be able to just you know pop it in when I want to watch it. And so, um, yeah, every so often if I go to a, like a library sale, you'll find uh, mm. Blu-ray or VH or not VHS, but DVD that they're selling. And if it's a title that I enjoy, uh, I'll pick it up. So I should hold on to my clerk's DVD is what you're I would about. say hold on to all your DVDs. Oh, I, and I, I have. Yeah. See, these we, are different because they were able with music to pretty much get everything right. in, on Spotify and Apple Music and all of those services. I, I don't know that we'll ever get to a point where all the services will have all the movies. It just seems like it's a lot more difficult. Well, I don't even know how they... I mean, the organization is easy enough. I mean, it's all digital. But but could you imagine actually... Half the time, my wife and I sit there with the remote and we just click through trying to figure out what we want to watch. Could you imagine right. doing that with every... Right, I mean, right. you would never get anything. Well, it's more like play. with Spotify. You have to kind of know what you're looking for. True, yeah. It would be the same thing. Like, I'm in the mood of watching Clerks 3, and which... Which is coming. Which is coming yeah. out. All right, my last one. Last one. I have to have a little new wave on here. New wave alternative, of yeah, course. Of course. Uh, but this is not one of the new wave alternative bands that I was ever really into. Uh, I only knew them um, from their very, very creepy song, which I could have chosen but did not, from the Lost Boys soundtrack, People Are Strange. They did uh, the, the Doors cover. You know, that one's not on Spotify. What is not? People Are Strange by... Oh, that's not what I picked. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know where you're going. Okay. So. Right. I'm going, yeah, of course I'm going The Killing Moon. Yeah, Echo yep. and the Bunnymen, yeah. Echo and the Bunnymen, Killing Moon from 1984's album Ocean Rain. But that's where I first heard of Echo and the Bunnymen. I, I remember, it, in fact, a lot of times the music, 
if it's in the film, it's it's so fast you don't even recognize the song that's playing. You know, sometimes it's featured. But I remember watching Lost Boys. Um, I think I was at the McKinley Theater in Canton, and yeah, when they were playing "People Are Strange," I remember thinking at the time. Um, I, I think that I wasn't into music as much back when I was whatever 1984, and I remember thinking, I think that's from The Doors, but I'm not sure. But you know, and then I got the soundtrack, and I'm like, Echo and the Bunny Men. But then, of course, it was a Doors song. But that's where I heard of them first. And, and really, I'd never got into them much after that. But then, of course, later on, ran into uh, to some of their stuff, including this one. Um, the Killing Moon, again, something about folk horror and full moon and cornfields. This, this one... Just I don't know. It, to me, it conjures up images of like Midwestern cornfields illuminated by some giant orange harvest moon um, for some, you know, horror story deep in the woods with paganism. And like I said, yeah. young Goodman Brown stuff. Yep. Yeah. Now, the, I, Killing Moon, it, it's always struck me more as an atmospheric piece. Yes. You know, it, it's 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 about establishing a mood more than. Telling, yes. telling a story. but Right, but the lyrics, like the words like, um, uh, fade up against your will through the thick and thin, he will wait until you give yourself to him. So it's, again, it's the idea of something in, in, in the woods that's waiting for you, Yep. and you can fight it all you want, but eventually you have to submit to this presence, that kind of creepy thing. Oh, it's true. Uh, the chords of the song, actually I did not know this, um, are Bowie's uh, Space Oddity played backwards. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wild! Yeah, I, I never, never even heard that before. Yeah. Um, oh, now I'm gonna have to. Definitely gonna have to give this uh, uh, another listen. It's been quite some time since I've listened to Killing Moon. This is one I've thrown on my Halloween playlist over the last ten years or so, and so every time I hear it, I just it puts me in that the Halloween spirit. Under blue moon, I saw you so soon. In your arms too late to beg you Or cancel it though I know it must be The killing time Unwillingly mine Fate Up against your will Through the thick and thin He will wait until You give yourself Well, that was... Well, you know where we are, Alan. We are where we intended to be at the beginning of season one. That's Remember, true. we were going to keep... We were going to keep Every it. episode, an hour. Yes. Maybe an hour and 15 minutes. And then it was an hour and a half. So we thought, that's good. And we've been creeping up towards two hours. So we're actually back we to where we kind of wanted to be. Uh, kind of a nice, tight, concise discussion of our playlist or our mixtape. So maybe in season three, we just need to surprise one another with songs the other, the other does not know, <laughs> know. And then we can... <laughs> we'll see, folks, uh, yeah, how this I, turns out. Wow. wow. Um, no, nonetheless, I, I two, two great lists. I will say next week, you will know all of my songs with the exception of maybe two. So, Well, you will know one, two, three. You'll know three, possibly four of mine next week. Um, Plus, we, you know, there there are alternates to be had. Yeah, we'll have we'll have, we'll have two face-offs so, uh, yeah. next week as well. So, all right. Well, this okay. is just part uh, one or side A of our scary Halloween uh, mixtape. 
And uh, hopefully this gets uh, gets you started. What's the appetite a little bit for the Halloween season? If you haven't uh, already kind of um, felt that, you know, I was reading today online on social media, probably Facebook. You know, I was kind of hoping Facebook would just <laughs> collapse when it was offline. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I still I, I still go to the Facebook though, and on on Facebook they were talking about how like people in Europe they just don't understand Americans' obsession with Halloween. Yeah. yeah, and they were asking all these questions like, do we really put like pumpkins on our front porch and not eat them, and um, and do we really? And, and, and it seemed like one of the overwhelming themes was you know you know that Halloween is a day like an evening, it's not like an entire month. Right. So basically they're they're ta- they're accusing us of treating Halloween like it's Christmas, which. In a way, we kind of do. We, we do. We absolutely do. So. I mean, you know, just the spirit Halloween stores, you know. It, it's, I, it, I just didn't every, realize it was so we, uniquely American. Well, I mean. I mean, they, they do celebrate it to some extent. But the, 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 Norman, the way that we celebrate it, the way that we're obsessed for as long as we are, for as much money and time we put into it, the dressing up the costumes. Right. Especially yeah. adult costumes now and parties. Oh, well, and, yeah, a lot of those costumes are. Very, very strictly adult uh, theme. Um, that's been some time now, but um, I was going to say, I feel like the Latin America, though. Um, Mexico, the Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead, D- Dead which technically is a different holiday, right? And, yeah, it is. Because that's more about their ancestors. Yeah, it's and, ancestral, and yeah, and then All Saints Day. Where our the Halloween was more to protect yourself from the spirits. Right, and, yeah, and the jack-o'-lantern. There's a lot of conflicting stories about where that comes from, but I always heard that the jack-o'-lantern was placed uh, in front of your home to scare the spirits right. so that they would not right. come in. Um, so that's kind of the opposite of... Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has it definitely has pagan no, uh, yeah, tradition yeah, 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 yeah. to it, um, but it, it's... Uh, I, I you know, if you want to freak yourself out, look at some of the old, like, 19, 1940s, 1950s, when trick-or-treating became a thing. Oh, around those, there. Yeah, the kids' costumes. Yeah, the homemade, the homemade costumes. costumes. Scarier <laughs> than anything we're putting on our list today. Really creepy. Yeah. Um, and then if you get a chance, listen to Jerry Seinfeld's bit on Halloween costumes as a kid. Like, okay. your mom forcing you to wear a coat. Oh, yeah. Superman doesn't, didn't wear a coat, you know, and those uh, those plastic, you talk about Gen X, those plastic masks, you know, with right. the stapled uh, rubber band <laughs> that you, yeah. it was like impossible to breathe out of. By the time you get home, they were all, tw- the, they were all cracked. A little and, slot to breathe. Yeah. yeah, he has a nice little bit on this stuff, so. Oh, I have to look that up. Um, all right, well, uh, quick shout out to our sponsor. Last time this season that we can do this, uh, Jay Callahan Painting. Um, we, we were overly enthusiastic the last few episodes, and I realized haven't been giving uh, giving her credit. Um, if you have any painting needs, especially now as we are edging toward the winter season, um, anything that needs done outdoors especially, give uh, give Jake Callahan Painting a call. You can find her on social media. does an amazing job. And uh, just wanted to remind myself uh, to, to say that this time. Um, that's all I got until next week. All right. That's all for this week. Hot funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk. Another mix of memories awaits next week. But for now, press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject, and we will see you on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs>